Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. All right. I am here with Kimber Chapman today. Thank you so much for joining me, Kimber. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. So I am a stylist, obviously. I've been a stylist for eight years. That is not all of my identity, if that makes sense. So I Mm -hmm. started cosmetology school in 2013 after or no, 2012, sorry. I started in 2012. I had two years of college under my belt before that. And so I went to a college prep high school where basically the ultimate goal was you go to college. And I feel like now trades are a little more accepted, but 10 years ago, that was not the case. So when I said to my college advisor, hey, I want to go to cosmetology school, the advisor said that is not going to happen. So you need to do something that makes you money. I think were the specific words that were said. So I try college first. And what's funny is my majors, I switched a couple of times, but my majors were marketing and uh, PR and then education. So it's really funny. That's what I do in a way now. I never thought I would use any of that stuff. And here we are today and I'm using it. So anyway, let's jump ahead a little bit. And so 2012 rolls around. I am at my serving job and I'm just like, I can't do this forever. I just dropped out of college. I was trying to find something to do. So I think I even had the thought of, I'll just go to cosmetology school. It seems like a good backup plan in quotation marks. Mm -hmm. So I did and found that I actually really enjoyed it. I was definitely the person who did everybody's hair in high school. I had that kind of like classic story where this was always like in my back pocket, but definitely not something I ever thought I would be doing full-time or making as much money as I am now. I got through cosmetology school. It was a rough year, but I got through it. And um, here we are eight years later, I'm still thriving. That's amazing. I think that's the cool thing about where the hair industry has gone is you basically get to decide how much money you make by delving into marketing and branding yourself and all those other aspects of business. I think it's real. It's easier than ever now to become a talented stylist. There's unlimited access to education almost. I find that people that are really stepping up and going above and beyond are the people who are delving into that business side and um, investing in coaching and education on those other aspects. Yes. Well, and I feel like this career is definitely something, it's one of those, and I'm sure a lot of industries are like this, but you only get out of it the work that you're willing to put into it. So if you're not willing to hustle those first couple of years, you are never going to see the other side where you are making six, seven figures in some salons. So I think that it's rough at first, but if you can just get through those first couple of years, it's really life-changing what something where you make people feel beautiful every day and you get to go home and hang out with your family and create your own schedule, create your own vibe and really just live the life that you want. You just got to get through those first couple of really hard years. Yeah. And I think that's, I think some of that struggle when you're trying to find your place, I guess you're trying to find the kind of salon you want to go to, what you want to specialize in or not specialize in. And I think that is what kind of shapes your future. There's no better feeling than when you have 
created that dream career and you have all these amazing clients in your chair that love and respect you. And that was the point where I started going home at the end of the day being like, I can't believe this is my job. For sure. I think in any industry where you work with people, it's never going to be all sunny days, but I like for people who are just getting into the industry who are maybe struggling or thinking about leaving, I just want to have that word of encouragement that like you can get there and you will get there if you put the work in. Even if you're not at the beginning of your career, I think that a lot of stylists that I talk to who maybe have been doing it for a long time and are seeing how the industry is evolving are feeling a little bit left in the dust. Yes. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like with this whole, I hate even bringing up COVID because I feel like we're like beating (laughs) a dead horse at this point, but I do feel like it really sifted out the people who just, you either sifted through and you're like, this is the time that I'm going to change my career or you were sifted out and you were like, I'm just not cut out for that. And that's not wrong, but I do feel like it, it really showed you that this is something you have to take seriously. This isn't just a career that you can make people pretty and go home. There's definitely a lot more to it if you want to be on your own. And even if you're building a clientele working for someone else. Yeah, totally. And I think it's interesting because I think now because of that and because of this massive shift, if you are wanting to become part of that top 20% of stylists, it doesn't actually matter how long you've been in the industry or really where you are. Now is a really great time to start dialing in your messaging, creating a personal brand and marketing yourself because there's a lot of clients right now floating around there looking for a stylist and looking for a really great experience. So totally. there is opportunity in adversity, I find a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, well, exactly. The playing field for our industry was leveled when we all were told we have to stay home for weeks to months on end. The playing field yeah. was completely leveled and it's anybody's game at this point. It's just, again, you have to be able to put in what you're, what you want to get out of it. It's not something, it's not going to just be handed to you. You have to put in the work, but I definitely feel like we're all at ground zero for the most part. And it's, this is really going to show who can hang out and who is just not, not for it. Yeah. And I think too, like, because we were all at home and taken out of the salon a lot, I think that those who do coaching, like you do coaching, I do coaching, and a lot of people have really figured out like their, what they can offer the industry to give back a little bit. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for those who are looking for a mentor or looking for a coach or education to get that help that they need, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really great opportunity as well. There's a lot of people that need to learn and there's a lot of people willing to share their knowledge right now. So it's a unique time. Yeah. Thank God this is happening in 2020 and not even 10 years (laughs) ago where there wasn't really social media and there wasn't really as much online education and you didn't have all these resources, like it is the opportunities are being handed to you. You just have to be willing to take them and know what to do with them. Yeah, absolutely. And chase them. And yeah, like when I got into the industry, so I finished hair school in 2006. My mom was a stylist. So my story is a little bit different. I ended up going straight into hair school out of high school and I was done before I even turned 18. So I have been in this industry for a long time. I took a little hiatus. I got into the sales side of it a little bit before I had my son, but 
I have seen so much evolution in that time. And when I was first starting out, literally the only thing you had was where you worked. So it was really important. And all of these really big salons with good reputations were were basically doing all the legwork as far as marketing was concerned. So now, but there's only so many jobs there, right? So I've always heard 20% of the stylists make 80% of the money. And that's good. Yeah. And I think that's really true. So I had always worked in those higher end salons that were investing in marketing. So I've built clientele that way initially. But then when I came back from maternity leave, I went to a brand new salon with absolutely no clientele, no nothing. So I am so grateful that social media was around. Otherwise, I don't think I could ever have created the business that I now have. Yeah. Instagram really changed the game for sure. And even when I graduated in 2013, I didn't, Instagram was just now a thing. It wasn't a tool that you use for Mm -hmm. business. In fact, social media still wasn't really a tool you use for business in general. So it is so amazing to see like how far it has come and just seeing like my first hair photos versus now (laughs) is just, I'm sure you have the same thing. Just super hilarious. 100%. Yeah, I know when I first started uh, using Instagram, I was big into layout. (laughs) All of my first pictures are like 80 different angles in one really confusing shot. So totally the opposite of what I do Yeah, for me, it was the filters. I always had the super warm, high contrast. Like it looked like fire was like over your photo. (laughs) Disgusting. We've come a long way. Totally. And I don't delete any of the old stuff because I think it's really fun to look back on your progress and, and how far you've come. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't delete any of it. It's, I think, part of the authenticity. And I we've talked about this before, but I'm yeah. really big on authenticity and I feel like it is all part of the journey. Yeah, 100%. One of the things that I wanted to chat with you about is, so we're both working moms, and you have a podcast that you started called The Main Mamas Podcast. Yeah. And I think that it's really great because I think sometimes there's special challenges that you face when you're a working mom. And I think it's really cool that you've provided a platform for people to be able to listen and have those concerns and have those challenges validated a little bit. Totally. Yeah. The Main Mamas podcast was birthed from that feeling of isolation that I got when I went on on my own and then developed my education group with my friend Teddy Main Circle. And I knew that there was just even inside of that another audience that just wasn't being represented well. So I found myself when I was listening to podcasts, I would listen to one podcast for business, one podcast for parenting, one podcast just for womanhood. And I, it was not wasting time. I loved all of the podcasts, but I wish that there was just one show that I knew I could tune into that would have all of that stuff. So for a couple of weeks in quarantine, I was like burning through podcasts. Like, I'm like, I don't even have anything left. What do I do? And then somebody had just said to me, why don't you just make one? And I was like, I don't know. That sounds hard. And then I realized because I Googled, I'm like, how to make a podcast on Google and saw, oh, it's not really that hard. You literally just need like a microphone, a voice and a plan. And if you have those three things, the rest of it falls into place and it's super easy to actually get started. So I decided to start the Main Mamas podcast to do exactly that, to speak to working moms in an industry that's dominated by women and therefore dominated by moms and just talk about something that for being what the audience is, we don't talk enough about publicly, I don't think. 
No, I totally agree. And I think it's like we, so <laughs> speaking of technical difficulties, this is mine and Kimber's second recording of this and <laughs> yeah, due to the technical difficulties, but we had a really amazing conversation the last time about how there's so much pressure because I think sometimes when we're focusing in on one thing, whether it's whether it's parenting or career or mindset or whatever that is, that all of the other things can almost seem like they're not being represented as much. It can be if we're listening to a parenting podcast, it can be so much pressure to be this like ever present, perfect Pinterest mom who's making your kids like peanut butter jam sushi. There's all of these things that are so much pressure. And then when it comes to being a business owner, putting in all this time and effort and never missing anything, never messing up, never being vulnerable. And I love the idea of us being able to be, you can be it all, but you can't be it all the time and you can't be it all perfectly. So it's okay to drop the ball sometimes. Yes. You have to be okay with I find myself saying this to myself a lot, finding your minimum and being okay with what that minimum is because it's never for a long time. You're only operating at that minimum for as long as you need to gain that energy. But I think that's when people ask, how do you do it all? That's exactly what I tell them. You have to figure out what all actually is and what you can add to that sometimes and what you can take away from that sometimes. Saying like, how do you do it all is no one really can do it all because balls have to drop and it just depends on where you're at, which ball is falling at that moment. And I know we had talked about in our last recording, like our husbands watching the kids while we sat on this call and just like making sure you have that tribe and support. And when you do drop those balls, making sure that there's somebody there that might be able to pick it up for you, or maybe it's okay for that ball to just sit for a little bit. And I love the analogy that you said about the, like the glass. And I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. So that was, I, and I wish, I still can't remember who said this. And if I do remember, I will definitely credit them. But basically what she was saying is that at all times we're juggling balls and not five balls, but like 85 balls. So like some of them are absolutely vital, making your appointments with your clients, making sure your family's fed and cared for. Those are the glass balls. Those are the ones that like sleep. That would be a glass ball, like making sure everyone has to sleep. But then there's other balls that are a little bit less important. So maybe it's maybe it's updating your website or making sure that you finish doing crafts with your kids or whatever it is. Those balls can drop and they're plastic and they'll be fine. You can yep. pick that back up and keep juggling it at a later date. As long as you prioritize what those glass balls are and keep those up. Yes. I will say too, now that we're talking about this in like a visual analogy, there is a tool that I really love that they're not going to pay me to say this, but it's Trello. If anybody has not used Trello before, that is how I pretty much organize all of my thoughts for all of the different avenues that I have in what I'm doing. So I've got one for the podcast, one for main circle, one for my personal life, one for the salon. And Trello is a really great way to organize all of those different balls and figuring out a daily plan for yourself. And then what can be added to which categories at any given point in time. And you can create it in a calendar view as well. That way you can see, oh, I don't have time to work on the website this week, but next week I've got X, Y, and Z times to do that. So I'll move that Trello card into next week versus this week. And then you're not as overwhelmed and you don't feel like you're failing. You just know that it will happen eventually. Does that make sense? 
Oh, I love that. Yeah. I actually downloaded Trello last week. I have <laughs> I had didn't actually put in the Trello board time to organize yeah. and use Trello. <laughs> right. But I never thought of adding Yeah. <laughs> That's on a sticky note. But it's super intuitive. But it's funny because I never even thought of adding things from my personal life in there. That's such a good oh, yeah. idea. Yeah, I share the board with my husband that way he always because we have at the end of the day when you have talked to people all day and you've said the same story a 100 times, you forget that the people that actually need to hear what your plan is for the weekend, for instance, your clients like, what are you doing this weekend? And you tell 15 of those people, but you forget to be like, oh, yeah, hey, husband, this is what's going on this weekend. So it just is on the Trello board that way we don't even have to have the conversation. Yeah, that's genius. Yeah. Trello is an amazing tool. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a good tip. I'm not a naturally organized person. And so I find that when I get really unorganized, that's when I tend to get overwhelmed, yes. especially with wearing all the hats. Right. So I love the idea of being able to prioritize and move it around visually because I think I would wager most hairstylists are pretty visual creatures. Yes. And depending on your personality type, I know in my personality type, if I give myself this big, long to-do list, and then for whatever reason, I have to push off one of those tasks, I personally will feel a little bit of that like failure complex. Oh, I couldn't get mm -hmm. that done for whatever reason. And that's not the case. It's just, no, you just put too much on your plate and you have to move some of it. And so I feel like Trello yeah. is a really good way to do that depending on your personality type, how you like to learn. It's just a great tool. Even if you can put in an hour a day, a lot of my coaching clients are like, oh, like I just don't want to take on something else. I want to make these moves and these shifts, mm -hmm. but I don't want to take on something else because I don't have this enormous chunk of time. Right. So once you chunk down what's available in your day, you could almost add time because if you put in even a half an hour a day onto a project where you're really focused, it's amazing how much you can move the needle in a week and a couple weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. And you just have to lay it out. Like you don't even really know how much time you have unless you, I, people laugh at me when I do this, but it, I think it's because of the work we do. We're very appointment based. I literally give everything in my life a time slot. And so my 24 hours, like I assign something to each of the, whether it be sleep, eating, whatever, I know exactly when I'm going to be doing something. And I feel like that helps too, because you feel like you don't have enough hours in the day, but we have just as many hours in the day as, you know, Bill Gates and sure Bill Gates has like a team of people and that's like a, you know, whole other thing, but you have to just make sure you're using your time super wisely. Yes, a hundred percent. I totally agree. And it feels so good. Once you do create those time slots and you see how much you can actually accomplish by doing things that way. It's a really rewarding feel. I wanted to talk a little bit about how you managed things when you actually opened your salon suite in between your two youngest yes. that are only yeah. 20 months apart. Yeah. So I decided with my middle son, he's three and a half now, but this, he was born in April of 2017. And so I felt like the idea for working alone started around that time. And I just was too afraid to make the leap. You make all these responsibilities up in your head that you have to get done first before you can move on to your own dreams and passions. And that's where that laid for a couple months. And then I lost my mom in June 2017, which I do think was a big driver and just being like, life is too short. So 
without getting too deep into that whole story, I basically spent the next nine months dreaming. And so at this point, my son is turning one and he's my middle now, but he was my youngest at the time. So he just turned one and I just had this, wow, that year, like 2017 just flew by. Like 2020 is a crap show in itself, but 2017 for me was like one of the hardest years of my life. So when that Mm -hmm. year ended and we're now in 2018, I just had said to myself, I need to do something for me. So that's when I just decided to leave my commission salon that I had been at for almost five years and go out on my own and not even two weeks into signing that lease. I feel like I just got everything moved in and communicated with everyone. I found out that I was having another one. So uh, that was uh, not expected at all, but just the best blessing. And it's just proof that God has his own plan. Like you can plan all you want, but it doesn't matter. And uh, so I found out I was pregnant in this would be May of 2018 with a baby that was due in December. So we're not only talking about a pregnancy through my, basically all my first year of ownership, but we're talking about having a baby in the busiest month for hairstylists in my first year of being on my own. Oh my God. It was just the wildest ride. (laughs) And I'm on the other side. Honestly, now I'm like, wow, that was actually not that bad. But in the time you're like, this is so hard, but yeah, I need it. And It just, if I were to describe in short how to make that happen, I would just say you have to have a plan. There's no way. I'm not a planner. I'm actually very impulsive. So for me to say you have to have a well-drawn out financial plan, goal timeline, Mm -hmm. things like that. That's the only way to make something like that work. Unless you've already been, I was learning about ownership the same time I was making this plan. I feel like maybe if you were an owner for a little while and then you find out you're pregnant, which is super exciting then that's probably even a little bit easier. But for me, having never done this before, it was definitely a challenge. Oh my God, no kidding. Were you alone in your space or do you have other people that work with you? I was alone at the time. And especially being in my first year of ownership, I came from an Aveda salon and we all know that Aveda is just not there. I'll say it and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's definitely like a cult following with Aveda that once you leave Mm -hmm. Aveda, it's almost like breaking Amish where you're ostracized from any like support and help at all. And excuse me. I still talk to, and I still do talk to a lot of the girls I worked with at the salon, but they also didn't really have any experience in what I was doing. So there weren't like, there wasn't anybody to lean on. There wasn't like anybody to show me the right. I was just all alone. And I feel like that's how I learned everything. And that was great. And so that's why now I have, it's funny how everything happens, but this is why now I have the education group for sweet stylists. And I'm actually working on for my podcast, like a maternity leave series, just walk through the more in detail what I did to prepare for that. I think that's so great. And one thing that I picked out of that story while you were telling it, which I really love, is the fact that you said that opening your suite was doing something for you. Oh, yeah. And oh, I literally just I got chills when you said that because I think about my own going independent and then even transitioning into this business. I felt like it was so much a gift to myself. So Mm -hmm. as much extra work goes into being an owner, being independent, being an entrepreneur, I do think that it's also an opportunity to really find something that is fulfilling and 
fills your cup as much as it drains it. You know what I mean? Totally. And I like to compare it sometimes to just like a really good workout. You never regret the workout once you're done and you know that's good for you and good for your soul and good for your physical health. And I feel like sweet ownership for me has been very similar where there are days where I'm just like beat at the end, but I know in the end it's all worth it for the bigger picture and the greater goal. And that's when I decided to get into ownership. My husband... I I'll, I have a post about this. I should probably reshare it. But he was not the most supportive when I said that this is what I wanted to do. And how I described it was I have been working for someone else for five years to support my family and know that my family is going to be good. And now that I know my family is going to be good, I need to do this for me. Eventually he caught on. But at first I will say he was not a huge fan of the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so hard for like people in any other industry to understand us as hairstylists. My husband had the same reservations about when I transitioned into education because right. he was like, to him, he's like, the, like the business you're describing doesn't actually exist. Right. <laughs> and yep. I'm like, no, <laughs> it well, doesn't. But like, yes, just because it doesn't <laughs> yet, yeah, it doesn't right. mean that it shouldn't or it can't. So I think it's really interesting when we talk about trying to communicate it to our partners and to our friends. I feel like there's no real way for them to understand quite what it means to be in this industry and how right. like... I, I feel like you almost have to be obsessed with it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you have to. This is definitely an industry where if you're not about it, and that's why I joked at the beginning that this was definitely, I feel like cosmetology school is a lot of people's like backup plan because everybody loves to look good and that's totally fine and dandy. But we know if you've been doing this for more than a day, that's so much more than just making oh, people yeah. look good. But it's more than trends. It's more than fashion. It's huge. And it is different. I think it's totally different. When I compare like my business to my husband, who's a CPA, like literally polar could not be further away on the spectrum of just like yeah. how our careers grow even and how we become more successful in our respective fields. It's just totally different. Yeah. And especially now, social media has allowed stylists to take control of their careers the possibilities for success are literally infinite for people listening like there could be a job that you haven't even heard of yet that you right. haven't even thought of yet that doesn't really exist that you could end up doing once you take control of your career because oh, totally. it used to be so linear it used to yes. be like there was two ways to make it right and yeah. now there's like hundreds probably. Yeah. I think here in the States in 2008, we hit a really big recession, the biggest recession. It's the deepest we've gone in our economy since the Great Depression. And so many businesses came out of that. And I like to think of Uber as one of those things. That, do you guys have Uber in Canada? That's probably a dumb question. Yeah, I want to double check. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> Uber is one of those things. In 2000, the year 2000, could you have imagined yourself just getting and logging onto your smartphone? First of all, what was that? Logging onto your smartphone yeah. app, picking just the stranger's car, getting in it and going where you want to go? Absolutely not. <laughs> but it was born out of one of those like deep recession times where we just had to evolve completely what we were doing. And now Uber is it's huge. So it's just what you have to think, even if it's little moves, if you feel like whatever you're doing is not something 
anyone else is doing, that does not mean at all that you shouldn't do it because so many things are made that way. And I think Uber is one of those great examples because literally even 15 years ago, I would have not have just hopped into a stranger's car to get where I needed to go. No. You know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, and I think it's really interesting. Like I, I read a lot of Jen Sincero books and all that kind of stuff. And I love reading uh, biographies or autobiographies of people that I find really interesting because even things like looking around at just what's in my immediate vicinity, like my laptop, my phone, I'm sure the first guy who said, we're going to take a phone and we're going to put a computer that's a hundred times stronger than the first ever computer right. in something that can fit in your pocket. I feel like probably everyone he worked with was like, that is friggin' insane. Are that's never going to happen. Dude? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I think that's the thing, right? It's like all of the things that are now allowing us to live these uber connected lives were yep. once just a completely ridiculous thought. Yes. The calculator is the biggest thing I think with smartphones. When you were in fifth grade, your math teacher would say, <laughs> you're never going to have a calculator just in your pocket all the time. And it's look at yeah. me now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my son just started grade one and yes. me and my husband actually had that exact conversation the other day about mm -hmm. how things have even changed with the way that they're teaching kids now because yeah. there is all of this technology available. So right. And they know they're going to have a calculator. So it's like, what do we do in the meantime? <laughs> yeah. They're under no illusions. They know what's up. Right. What is next for you, Kimber? Like what are, what's on the horizon? What are you working on? Yeah, there's a lot actually. <laughs> oh gosh. Now I've just got done like concluding a journey. I was listening to a podcast today where the guest was talking about how she never feels done with anything. And that felt so like mm -hmm. relevant to me because I feel like that's where I'm at all the time. So actually... I am opening up my own three chair little salon about 20 minutes from my town. So that's like the wow. next big thing. Yes. And so I feel like I'm just ready. Like I've evolved the sweet life and I'm, I, I'm going to continue to be passionate about teaching stylists how to make the sweet life work for them, but I have just yeah. outgrown it and I'm ready to move on. So that's the next big thing. And then also I'm working on my own sort of marketing techniques and marketing plans and website building and basically brand building for independent stylists. And that's that's a little deeper on the horizon. We're talking like mid-2021 probably that we'll get anything out of that. Mm -hmm. But I have discovered recently that I actually really do have gifts for marketing and brand building and website building and all that good stuff. And that was one of those things that I studied in college and mm -hmm. thought that it sounded so boring once I got into hair. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound fun at all. But I think with <laughs> seeing how technology has evolved, it's, oh, no, I can make this work for me. And I'm just going to be able to incorporate all of my gifts, I think, eventually, especially now that I'm like babies are out of the like they're in the past for yes. me. All, my kids will be a little totally. bit older. It'll be easier to do things. So I'm very excited for 2021 for sure. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. When I first started, I built my own website and I still have, I, I still build it myself. But I remember the first time I ever built a website when yep. I went independent, I thought it was so hard and so scary. And I was laughing with my mentor last night because I was sitting there watching TV, de-stressing by updating all my fonts. <laughs> Because I was yes, like, it was yep, like, I know. It's like, the website thing. is never, ever done. It's and a hobby. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the MySpace days, but I feel like I was definitely the yes. teenager that stayed up on MySpace, like until godly hours of the morning, just like updating my profile all the time. So it's all coming back around. It's all making yeah, its way totally. back around. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I found when I started really enjoying Instagram was when I started doing what I wanted to do, not what everyone else was doing. And like the designing my feed and all that kind of thing is like a zen for me. And now that's extended into websites, which I never thought would happen. (laughs) Quarantine, the breaking point for me with Instagram. And I will say this as we close out, the fact that the trend now is airing more towards that super authentic, like you can't upload a cell phone photo now where there were a couple of years where it's like you felt like you had to take everything on your camera and it had to have a special Lightroom filter on it and all that good stuff. And sure, it still needs to look like there needs to be an aesthetic, especially if you're growing your business, there needs to be a plan. Yeah. But I'm so glad that plan now includes authenticity. Like I'm very pro yes. authenticity. Totally. That's a lot of what I talk to my both one-on-one and group coaching stylists about is like people, especially now with the age of like social distancing and all that stuff, people crave that human connection. And I actually heard from one of my coaching clients the other day that that even her existing clients are coming in being like, oh, I didn't know this about you. And I saw that you love dogs and this is about my dog. And she said that she has noticed her relationships with her existing clients deepening and also her new clients coming in a lot more trusting because she's showing more of herself. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly the point. Yeah. And it creates talking points because then they come in already knowing part of you. So there's not just the generic conversation of what are you doing this weekend? How long have you been doing hair? There's all those like first basic questions where now you can be like, hey, I saw that you posted about The Bachelor on your Instagram stories. Did you see who got eliminated this week or whatever? And it's yes. (laughs) And that gives you probably 20 minutes of conversation right there just from one story post. So I do love that as we start sharing more of what we love and what we are into outside of behind the chair, I think that it's only going to yeah grow those connections and grow those relationships. Absolutely. I was talking to someone the other day about how it used to be you felt like you had to fit in this little box. Yeah. Like you felt like you had to make sense as a person, as a brand. Yes. And I'm like, I like I posted the other day about being like typecast. I've always been busty and blonde and I was always kind of typecast a little bit. So when people find out that I'm into like fantasy books and I listen to hip hop and David Bowie, it's Mm -hmm. everyone's thrown off by it. But I think, yeah. And I think finding those things out about other people are, it makes them so much more interesting. Absolutely. I love it. I'm Taylor Swift is a part of my brand. I'm sure if you've been following me for any amount of time, (laughs) that a brand pillar for me is Taylor Swift. (laughs) Totally. I love it. (laughs) So one thing I always ask people on this podcast is, and this is going to put you on the spot a little bit, but if you had to give just one piece of advice to a hairstylist that was determined to rise in their career and in their life, but just needed a little bit of guidance, what is that one thing that you would give them? I would say, and I'll speak to mostly sweet stylists here, but I think it does apply to all stylists just because that's what where I coach and what I'm used to. Make sure you find your tribe. I talked to my friend Teddy about this in an episode of my podcast, and I've been using it ever since. I love it. You have to like create a group chat in your phone and call it the break room because you know when you're on your own, you like in any field, you miss that break room camaraderie where you can go and like bounce ideas off of each other and vent a little bit and all that good stuff. So if you're on your own or if you are with other people, create a group chat in your phone and call it the break room. That way, when you need to lean on somebody because it will get tough, 
you have that tribe of people that you can do that with because I did not have that in the beginning and I really wish that I would have and that's why I do what I do now. And so that is the first piece of advice I would give anybody who's like wanting to branch out, whether it be on your own or just in general, the next step of your career, create that group chat and have your tribe. Ooh, that is so good. I love that. I love, love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kimber. But do you want to just give people where, where to find you? I know on Instagram. Yes. I'm at Kimber Chapman with an underscore at the end. So at Kimber Chapman underscore on Instagram. And then my sweet education group is at main.circle. The podcast is at main mama's podcast. And I think that's it. That's all right now. Awesome. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you soon, Kimber. Bye. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Bye.